swim effortlessly across the bridge of water. Open the red door and enter the portal. Bedtime Stories Darling is a sensual ASMR experience guiding you right where you need to be in bed. You're listening to Boudoir Therapy Season 2. Shut up and listen. Feminism in Canada from Wikipedia, the Free Encyclopedia. The history of feminism in Canada has been a gradual struggle aimed at establishing equal rights. The history of Canadian feminism, like modern Western feminism in other countries, has been divided by scholars into four waves, each describing a period of intense activism and social change. The use of waves has been critiqued for its failure to include feminist activism of for example, Aboriginal and Quebecois women who organized for changes in their own communities as well as for larger social change. Waves of Canadian Feminism First Wave Hello, darling. The first wave of feminism in Canada occurred in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. This early activism was focused on increasing women's role in public life with goals including women's suffrage, increased property rights, increased access to education and recognition as persons under the law. We are people. This early iteration of Canadian feminism was largely based in maternal feminism. The idea that women are natural caregivers and mothers of the nation who should participate in public life because of their perceived propensity for decisions that will result in good care of society. In this view, women were seen to be a civilizing force on society, which was a significant part of women's engagement in missionary work and in the women's 
Christian Temperance Union, WCTU. The first wave in Canada was different in Quebec, although the first wave was developed at an earlier time. Many women in Quebec had to wait until April 1940 for their right to vote and run elections. Canadian women's social, political, and cultural roles and influence changed dramatically during World War Women had taken over many of the missing roles of men while they were off at war. Women worked in factories, took over farms, and proved their importance in society. Women's right to vote in Canada. Organizing around women's suffrage in Canada peaked in the mid-1910s. Various franchise clubs were formed and in Ontario, the Toronto Women's Literary Club was established in 1876 as a guise for suffrage activities though by 1883 it was renamed the Toronto Women's Suffrage Association. Compared to other English-speaking industrialized countries, Canada's suffrage movement gained success rather easily and without violence. The tactics adopted by the movement in order to bring about reform included collecting petitions, staging mock parliaments, and selling postcards. Widows and unmarried women were granted the right to vote in municipal elections in Ontario in 1884. Such limited franchises were extended in other provinces at the end of the 19th century, but bills to enfranchise women in provincial elections failed to pass in any province until Manitoba and Saskatchewan finally succeeded in early 1916. Alberta followed the same year and Emily Murphy became the first woman magistrate, not just in Canada, but the entire British Empire. At the federal level, it was a two-step process. On September 20th, 1917, women gained a limited right to vote. According to the Parliament of Canada website, the Military Voters Act established that women who are British subjects
and have close relatives in the armed forces can vote on behalf of their male relatives in federal elections. About a year and a quarter later, at the beginning of 1919, the right to vote was extended to all women in the act to confer the electoral franchise upon women. The remaining provinces quickly followed suit except for Quebec, which did not do so until 1940. Agnes MacPhail became the first woman elected to Parliament in 1921. Large numbers of women continued for many years to be excluded from the right to vote based on race or indigeneity. 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 You get it. British Columbia, for example, denied persons of Asian, Indian, South Asian, and indigenous origin the rights to universal adult suffrage that came about with the Dominion Elections Act of 1920. The province of Manitoba settled on a date of women's suffrage on January 28, 1916. Ontario, April 12, 1917. Nova Scotia, April 26, 1918. New Brunswick, April 17, 1919. Prince Edward Island, May 3, 1922. Newfoundland <sighs> Newfoundland April 13, 1925 Quebec April 25, 1940 Women ruled illegally to be persons The famous were a group of five women from Alberta who wanted courts to determine women were considered to be persons for the purposes of being called to the Senate under Section 24 
of the British North America Act in 1867. The main provision of Canada's Constitution, period. The Senate was the body which at that time approved divorces in some provinces of Canada. Among other decisions important to women, the famous five petitioned the federal cabinet to refer this issue to the Supreme Court. After some debate, the cabinet did so. The Supreme Court, interpreting the act in light of the times in which it was written, ruled in 1928 that women were not persons for the purposes of Section 24 and could not be appointed to the Senate. Hmm. The five women led by Emily Murphy appealed the case to the Judicial Committee of the British Privy Council. At the time, the highest court of appeal for the British Empire. In 1929, the five lords of the committee ruled unanimously that the word persons in section 24 includes both the male and female sex. They called the earlier interpretation a relic of days more barbarous than ours. Barbarous than ours. Last little bit. Eastview Birth Control Trial. The Eastview Birth Control Trial of 1936-1937 was the first successful legal challenge to the dissemination of information and the possession of materials relating to birth control being illegal in Canada and it marked the beginning of a shift in Canadian society's acceptance of such practices. In September 1936, Dorothea Palmer was arrested in Eastview, now Vanier, Ontario, and charged with possessing materials and pamphlets related to birth control then highly illegal under Canadian law. Oh la la. As she was working for the Kitchener-based Parents Information Bureau, PIB, her arrest could have led to the collapse of the organization and as many as two years imprisonment for Palmer. However, the PIB 
was the brainchild of industrialist A.R. Kaufman, a eugenically-minded industrialist whose support eventually saw Palmer's charges dropped. The trial lasted from September 1936 to March 1937. Ultimately, the case was dismissed by the preceding magistrate, Lester Clayton, who ruled that, as Palmer's actions were in the public good, no charges could be held against her. In his final ruling, he explained that, The mothers are in poor health. Pregnant nine months of the year, what chance do these children have to be properly fed, clothed, and educated? They are a burden on the taxpayer. They crowd the juvenile court. They glut the competitive labor market. Coming up next on the Boudoir Therapy Podcast, hosted by Darlene Wong, Wave 2.